Welcome Wargamers, join your hosts, Falco and Monty, two Canadian wargaming enthusiasts, as we explore all aspects of tabletop wargaming. We roll dice, talk tactics, share hobby hacks, and explore new tabletop systems, all on the Trident Wargaming Podcast. Hey everybody, welcome back to Trident Wargaming. I'm your host Bill, and today we have a special guest on board. We've got the man, the myth, the legend, Mr. Kenny Boucher. Yo man, thanks for having me. Hey, no problem. Thanks for jumping on. Definitely uh, appreciate it. Uh, I guess just to kind of kick things off, do a little uh, round table about some hobby progress that uh, we've been up to lately. I saw, I missed the uh, webinar, but I saw you working on Magnus. Magnus the Blue. That is true. Yeah. Yep. Too many episodes of him, though, so he had to move to the webinar. Yeah. That's what happens when you work on a project for more than six uh, solid streams in a row. You have to just stop. Get something new on the table. Mm. Yep. It's boring after a while when you're putting out like Twitch content. Yeah. So it's like a lesson I've learned a long time ago. It's like if I hit that like, okay. It's been like most of the month now. Yeah. Nope. But the thing is, you got to film everything, right? That's the other thing is like, you don't want to squander opportunity to not have coverage of the creation of a model like that. So that's true. You know, you got to fight the urge to like be painted, like when you're not filming. Yeah. No which makes, makes it take longer. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> you know no, absolutely. I mean? Absolutely. Because if you like add all the time up, you know, like the two hours of actual painting that occurs every time where, you know, lights, cameras, action. It's like, huh, it's only been like 12 hours, dog. Yeah. <laughs> Why is this uh, taking three weeks? <laughs> yeah. No so, problem. you know, that's that's why I like the webinars, you know, like that I do. They're not like not like, a you know, there's not like a lot of. A lot of you guys in there because it's pretty private, right? Like it's yeah. small, small classroom size. It uh, pulls from a small group of people who have live access to it, you know, my students and, you know, there's like maybe one guy who's like just at that tier of my Patreon page. Who's just mm -hmm. there for the webinars. Uh, but everyone else is just a student who's unlocked that. And so it was like six of you guys in there. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. But film that shit. And then it makes the cut for the final post so that when people do come to Patreon, we're like, yeah, I want to see how this Magnus got painted. Yeah, there's like three installments here I didn't see on Twitch. Hmm. Yeah. You know, got that got that content. So that's where Magnus lives right now. He's not done. It's been like 14 hours <laughs> for a month. <laughs> you know? yeah. But he lives on the webinar uh, for everybody who wants to see that gangster shit. Actually, this box that's like in my frame here that just, that just showed up. That's the that's his that's his axe. Oh wow. Yeah, like because it came not tight. From Forge World, with a split down the center. Oh yeah, yeah, it happens sometimes. Resin can be uh, tricky. Yeah, I'm not even mad about it. This isn't like a normal Forge World thing, you know. Like yeah. this is a, a Horus Heresy model. They're like definitely cut above. Yeah, they are the normal trash that you get from generic Forge World. Yeah, every part of Magnus was solid as hell. You know, like, you know, mold lines, nothing. Like he was real clean. It's just that. You know, want to pop that uh, little Harbert off, and I'm like looking at it. I'm like, yeah, that does not look like the way it's supposed to be. No, <laughs> just one part. Yeah, it's kind of a big part of him. <laughs> no doubt. 
No doubt. I saw also uh, recently you had, what was it, you started Bellacore? Yep, yeah. uh, finally. It was actually gifted to me nice. by a streamer named Wooly Tortoro. Or not a streamer, a chatter, viewer, a twatcher. He uh, sent it to me on my birthday. Oh, killer. And uh, I'd be like, yeah, I really want that. You know, and then it shows up and then it just sat there since my birthday in April. And uh, I was like, man, when am I going to open this up? Man, I can't film this thing. It's so big. And then I uh, gave away one of my prizes on the weekend. Somebody won the rare pick a project. And they were like, yeah, I already had that Bellacore. There you go. It's like it was planned well, all along. So then I opened it up. I also found like a really sweet birthday card in there, which nice. I, now I felt bad for not having opened Yeah. in April. And then like I had a message, Wooly, and be like, yo, man, thank you. <laughs> like, yeah. Thank you. The real nice birthday card. And so, and then it, another guy won pick a project. There's asterisks on those. You can't make me paint a war out there or some dumb shit. And he was like, I want to see some demon flesh, like a demon skin. Yeah. And I was like, will this satisfy both of you? And they're like, yep. Perfect. So, so that's fun. You know, I'm getting to paint a big old Bellacore style model, something I think everyone expected me to paint right when it came out, you know, and, uh, the one of the things that happens when you're a content creator is everyone starts painting the same thing. Yeah. When they come out. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> so I basically tell people, it's like, if everyone else is painting it, you know I'm not. Yeah. Doesn't matter how new it is. So, which is also funny because when I started Billicor, another streamer who I think most, uh, who I think is really cool, Doctor Rhino. I don't know if you've seen him on Twitch. I've heard uh, I've he, heard of him. I haven't seen him personally. No. Yeah, really nice guy, you know. I think it's Doctor Rhino underscore. And he was in my chat. He's like, oh, shit, man. I'm literally starting Bellacore today, too. I was like, what? I, like, literally waited a year. Yeah, just to make sure. <laughs> you know, and he's like, I'm going to start today, too. And he's actually had a big promo going, too. I was, like, kind of last second, like, guys, we're doing Bellacore today. Like, this is a big deal. And he's, like, doing a speed run challenge. Like, he's been promoting it, like, six-hour timer. Like, he just puts the clock on six oh, hours. Oh, wow. So his was, like, a much bigger deal. Than mine, right? Because, but I, you know, I present everything as if it's like, you know, a big event. Like, you know, sometimes I'm just like, all right, Bellacor, let's make some graphics real quick and make it look like this is the plan. Yeah. And then, but he did it. He did a six hour paint job. He did it. Wow. Like, it's crazy. You know, so I'm like, God damn it. When, when am I going to paint a model in one stream? <laughs> you know, so, but it, it's really fun, man. The Bellacor is a dream model, man. Like, it's, them Game Workshop plastics are real good. Yeah, they are. Like, yeah, they are. Especially the new kits that have been coming out. So, for Chaos, it's it's nice to see. I'm hoping that Demon Prince comes out soon. Well, I imagine it's going to be beautiful to, to to paint on. Like these, like and like that new wave of plastic they got is just like oh man, like super cleverly designed. They got like you know. The way they put it together, it's like all these parts, right? And everyone says, like, why does it have to be 10 parts? You know, like some things I would like to be like one big ass piece of hollow plastic. <laughs> you know? yeah. Or Rhino, for example. Yeah. You know, like a transport tank that I don't give a shit about. Like, I would not mind if you just made that two pieces of plastic that glue together. Forget all the other crap. Doesn't matter. But things like Bellacor, like the way his abs slot in and the way you build it all weird, right? Like, it's like, Top of chest, bottom abs, then the neck. And it's like you start building it and you realize what they're doing is they're giving you like every part of the model exists. 
Whereas like back in the day, there would be like parts of the model that just aren't there, right? Like there'd be like like some frame over the arm in his armor, but it's like a, kind of like a solid block infinity back. Yeah. And it's like not his biceps not really in the armor. You know, it's like yeah. made to look that way. And you can you can tell when you see those like big blocks that just kind of keep going back like they're stretched. You see him like kind of tucked in. These models, it's like if the dude has armor shoulders that go on over his chest, over his biceps, like he has sculpted biceps, lats, scapula, everything is fucking there, man. Yeah. Like, and so they have to put it, they have to give you the model in such a way that, you know, it can be glued together and injection molded. And then that means there's more seams technically, right? There's more you know, places where two pieces of plastic meet, which is kind of like, uh-oh, right? Yeah, but gaps they're super clever. Yeah, the gaps. But they put those in places that goes like under the armor, right? If the bicep connects together, it's going to connect in this weird way around his tricep, but that's also where you stick the armor panel later. So you so if that gap doesn't show up perfect, it's under that armor. Like, same thing. I was like weird because like he slotted him on. He's got his like obliques in his chest. I was like, this is a straight, there's going to be a line right here. But then when you put it on, you realize like it's it, it emulates like all the slices in his musculature anyway. It's yeah. just like he's ripped. And I was like, damn man, fucking best plastic makers in the world, man. Like it's still it's still got it. Yeah, the, cool. the attention to detail is amazing, especially in a lot of the newer newer kits like you mentioned. It's yeah, the only shit I had to like scrape down was like the things that I clipped from the sprue, right? Like the nubs. Like yeah. that's there's like no. I'm like looking like where are the mold lines there. They're not there, dog. That's awesome. Like it's it's impressive, man. You know, like it's important to remember that sometimes. Yeah, you know, we 3D print all these models. Yeah. We work on them to make them look good, though, right? So we still are, you know, we love them and they're dope. But like, there you know, 3D print model, you popped off and you didn't have to spend like 25 minutes like getting all the little nubs you missed. Yeah. Haven't had that experience yet. No, it's true. Usually, you just rip the support tree off and perfect, right? Ready to go. Like. Well, I mean, like sometimes, but then sometimes there's like a divot, a hole, yeah, like a nub, a support you missed, you know, like so. 3D printing is like really good, and there's some seriously baller boutique model makers, but like you realize like the the difference between like that injection molding system that they've like oh, put yeah. millions of dollars into when they put out models like Bellacore, this new blood th- or this new Angron that's going to be like, oh, sh- I guarantee, you know, all the people who are like, no, I don't like it. Open that fucking box. You're like, this is literally the greatest model in the world. Yeah, like, yeah no doubt. <laughs> like, no doubt. Like, it's just so fun, man. Like painting is so fun, and the models are so sick. Like you said, the chaos models are so sick. Like new demon prints. Yeah. Can't. Can't. I literally cannot wait for that model. Yeah, it's gonna be. It's gonna be good. I'm. I'm pretty stoked with just the new release itself. Just uh, chaos was the first army I played when I started way back when I was ten. And here I am, you know, 26 years later, jumping back into Chaos Marines. Um, been waiting since 8th, basically, right, for them to come out. And, yeah, the new kits feel pretty good. It feels pretty nostalgic. I was busting out some of the old 2nd uh, edition uh, codex and artwork and stuff just to kind of get hyped for the project. And when I saw you painting um, your Word Bearers uh, model, I had uh, recently started on my Word Bearers project. And I ended up actually wanting to try and restart to kind of take it up a notch a little bit more because my guys were pretty dark and gritty and i was hoping to yeah. go a little brighter right after seeing yours i was like oh damn i gotta try and mostly know. everything's better if you can pop it out further mm-hmm. right like that's that, that's like kind of my style it's like even when something's really dark 
there's a way to do that, you know, like, and that's defined by my system, my style, my like the drama, like how we can keep something so dark for so long and then explode into something bright. Yeah. So like Bellacore is a great example. Like he's not that bright though. He looks kind of bright. Like he's basically like black and blue yeah. all throughout. And then we're just exploding little highlights progressively moving up further and further. So he can maintain that dark motif, but like be like kind of neon, you know? And so like, that's, that's kind of the trick, man. Like it's all fun and games to make a nice dark gritty dude. But then you put 20 or 10 dark gritty dudes down the table and you're like, uh, where, where do I set them down? Like I can't see these motherfuckers. Yeah, they don't pop. That that was that's been my personal like issue, right? Is seeing the models pop on the table and pushing that uh, that drama, that contrast a little higher, and getting out of my comfort zone because I usually paint quite yep. dark to begin with. And and a lot of people they confuse it. They're like, well, I don't want to paint all my shit all bright. It's like, yeah, that's why there's like a nuance to it, right? Like you know, yeah. like you know, you know, like it's about maintaining that 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 length in that darkness, right? That's what it, a transition is. Just moving from dark to bright. And so if you can move long in the dark and then suddenly explode into the bright, right? Instead of like an equal, like an equal distance transition where everything's perfectly balanced. Yeah. If you're not perfectly balanced and you explode into the bright at the last second, you still maintain that insane, that real dark presence that brings that menace, brings that contrast because all, what is contrast if not something in contrast to something, right? Bright in contrast to dark, right? So like you're providing the backdrop of darkness to be explosive in contrast to the brightness, just like when you take a picture of a model on a black background versus a white background, yeah. you know, dark, the dark elements sharpen the image and make it more exciting. So like, that's why, like what I teach is like, that's like the first lesson, right? Like, it's like, we basically discover how to do that with the airbrush. Cause most people have been just kind of doing a regular transition, yeah. not the, not the dramatic transition. And that's how you're able to have a bright presence on the table but I have like a candy red army. Yeah. That's not word bears. Right. Like you, you want that darkness still. So like there's, there's, there's a nuance to it. And that's why, you know, I'm on Twitch talking about this show all the time and, you know, doing webinars and shit. Yeah. No, don't. <laughs> want, no, don't want people to bring their best chaos foot forward, you know? Yeah. No, for sure. I guess, uh, talking about, um, your next level painting course, the curriculum itself, you want to tell, uh, the listeners I've been, Mentioning it a couple times on the uh, podcast, talking to some guys locally as well. I always try to steer them towards the YouTube first, right? See if they like your style, if they get into it. I just uh, try and point them to Patreon as well. But uh, yeah, if you want to kind of go in depth about it. I mean, well, I mean, living in the modern era post uh, crisis COVID, you know, and so what happened during the years of 2020 and 2021 was teleeducation got pretty popular. And so I've always had a, not always, but longer than that, I had a tier on my platform for web classes, right? Like web private coaching. It was like mildly uh, selected as a tier, you know, it wasn't really that popular. And I think like half of that's like, you know, teleeducation is really not that popular at the time, you know, Uh, there's no shortage of IRL opportunities, but also like I wasn't because it wasn't popular. I wasn't approaching it the correct way either as an educator. It was more of a, which I think this is common for most people who take classes is, uh, what do you want to work on today? That's like the opening statement for the, from the instructor. And that's, I think most painting classes, probably anyone who's listened to this, who's taking a painting class are probably, yeah. Actually, yeah, <laughs> like 
The problem with that is that is uh, it puts the entire onus of the education process on the person who's paying money, right? And so it's also super easy for the instructor. There's no preparation required. Just to answer your questions. It's an AMA at that point. Yeah. That's not that's not even work. So I wasn't taking it. I wasn't putting in the uh, the. I wasn't putting like the emphasis of importance on that concept until teleeducation started exploding. I was like, wow, man, there's an opportunity here to really make some money. And then I kind of looked at what I was already doing. I was like, this isn't worth that much money. Yeah. Look, it's <laughs> like we gotta if people are willing to jump in, we gotta we gotta meet them there. We gotta we gotta provide the uh, the value in the product. And so like my both of my parents are teachers and I just kinda like called my mom up. I was like, yo, it's like What's like the number one thing about being a teacher? Just like, give me the hot take, you know? She was like, remember all those like teacher's work days you guys didn't have to go to school for? I was like, yeah. She's like, we did. What do you think we were doing? I was like, I don't know, fucking around. Cleaning up the classroom. She's like, preparing the course. We get his, I was like, huh. I was like, see, oh, this makes sense now. It's like, so that's when they pay you to do your curriculum. She's like, yeah. You're right. I was like, so it's about preparedness. She's like, yeah, that's all. She's like, that's all there is to it. It's like, you have to be prepared for like questions, for timelines, everything. Like that's, that's all there is to it. It's like, just kind of almost knowing the 30 questions that are possible based on the curriculum and having answers for them already. You know, like that's it. So shit, you know, like it also staying on task with your curriculum. It's like, okay. So I took what kind of my system that I already developed in the, in the, in the trenches for like all those years which I already was kind of teaching, but kind of didn't have that structure yet. And then I just sat down with a guy, a uh, friend of mine who literally writes courses for college and helped me organize it into a actual syllabus and actual curriculum with goals, forms, everything. And uh, that really is what separated us from the rest of the people out there who are teaching classes. Like we have a curriculum, you show up, you paid money. It's not, what do you want to learn today? Like, I mean, at that point, like, I'd be like, yo, I want to learn how to get a refund. <laughs> like, it's like, this is what we're, it's, this is what we are doing today. Be yeah. prepared. Read your syllabus. That's, that's what you pay for, right? Like, you pay for that guidance. You want to know that, like, your investment is safe, like, when you show up. So, like, that really changed the game. So, like, our one-on-one course basically guides a student, like, down a six-year journey yeah. in three hours, four hours. And every student so far has gone through the one-on-one is like easily moved up like three years, like in their, in, in, in their presentation of their army. Like there's no way you could teach somebody in three classes how to be like a dope artist. That's impossible. Yeah. But luckily painting models is an art. Painting models is a three-dimensional coloring book and coloring book rules and techniques are all you need to emulate somebody who spent 20 years being an artist. Like you couldn't answer no questions on some art shit. Like, you know, like somebody coming to you be like, oh, break down the color theory and all this. You're like, motherfucker, I don't know. Yeah. Like I pay models, son. <laughs> like I make them look good. And so like, that's, that's really what it's about. It's about getting your models to that like 80th percentile to when you walk into a room, other people shower you with validation so that as an artist, you feel good. Yeah. You feel good about your accomplishment, your task, you know, your project. Because you can feel great about it all you want at home, and that will fulfill you like half. 
But the other part of that validation equation is like the external stimulus, right? And I feel like most artists don't like admit that shit. They're just like, oh, I don't care about what people say about my shit. It's like, man, you're lying. Yeah, everybody cares. Like you did this so somebody would tell you it was awesome. Don't even fucking front. Like nobody painted some shit for 20 hours in their beats lab to leave it in a closet for no one else to look at. That never happened. No. Like that's like saying that people write songs so people don't listen to them. Like I'm a songwriter. I don't care what you think about my song. Motherfucker. Yeah, you do. You you can't even be digested unless I hear it. Yeah. Like it doesn't exist unless I heard it. (laughs) You know what I mean? Like, so like, that's kind of like the whole thing is like, just kind of like being real with all that moving through our course, focusing down on that airbrush tech, figuring out how to make washes work and figuring out how to make edge highlights work. Yeah. That's it. If you can do that, which pretty much is not that hard and it's secretly easy. <laughs> you can put an army down on the table and in record time and be in that 80th percentile and be showered in, in, in validation. And then no, your hobby time is no longer stressful, yeah. which I think is another concern. I think a lot of people say, Oh, I love the hobby because it's like how I, you know, decompress at the end of the workday. It's how I really get back on track, you know, get my thoughts together. But then you're just like in your beat side being frustrated by like you not being able to make things happen the way you see them in your head. Yeah. So I think a lot of people, it's like they say that, but that's not what's happening. So my techniques, my procedures make that part go away. So then you can actually start like living that life of, Ah, even one hour of this is going to make me feel good because there's not going to be any problems. Yeah. So that's my pitch in podcast form, which yeah. is longer than my pitch in Twitch form. No, that's that's good. It's um, it's definitely well worth checking out. Even uh, like I, I've been in the hobby for a long time. Like I've talked with you about before, uh, before I signed up and even going through just one round of it, I've, I've been practicing and trying to tweak things. Um, obviously making the time is kind of, uh, hard right now, but the nice thing I like about like the course is even though, you know, you're paying for your credit, they're still stored and you can bust them out whenever you want to bust them out and really go rapid fire. You know, if you've got, uh, That's a good point. I always spots. forget that part. Yeah. It's been, it, I've been doing it so long. I always forget. It's like, it's kind of like, I kind of modeled it after audible. Yeah. Right? Like, you're paying me for a monthly credit. You have all the access to all the things, all the conveniences, all the value that I could possibly generate, right? We have a direct line to each other so that I prioritize for a student, instructor, uh, quick response, you know, all that stuff. But ultimately, if you can't make a class that month, your credit just rolls. It just rolls over, man. Like, yeah. it doesn't matter. Like, it's not a problem. You know, like, people, sometimes people do that on purpose. Like, it's kind of, they set up at the end of the month. I'm like, let me get one next month and then back to back to you. Cause they want to do it that way. Like, so we're pretty chill. Yeah. Well, it's, <laughs> it's, it's awesome for flexibility. Like I, I've, you know, I've looked on the, the link, right. With the spreadsheet of all the times and it's, there's a lot of times you can, you can definitely make it work. Yeah. So some months are busier than other months based on what's going on in the world. Summer there's like lots of openings, but ultimately like, you're right. Like it's, it's so chill. The way I do it is like, I don't have like some calendar app out there. None of this shit. It's like, bro, I'm ADHD, man. Here's a spreadsheet. It's open. Type your name on one of these times. Yep. And like, you see that all the times are just my stream schedule, basically. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, it's awesome. It's it's oh, definitely it's, flexible. 
you know, like it's, it's easy. Like so far I haven't met a guy who didn't enjoy it. I've met a guy who wasn't able to, you know, improve, you know, I have never received a negative review. Like, like it's, it's kind of the culmination of like the last, I don't even know how many years at this point, like been in business for 12 years this month, this year, you know, like, so it's just the end game of 12 years of being immersed in this uh, hobby. Yeah. Is education. Yeah. That's, and that's something to say in itself, um, especially impressive for the, the guys doing the commission work and then yourself doing commission work, but also teaching on top of it. It's like you're, you're self-made in a hobby that you obviously enjoy, but you're able to also, you know, uh, support your hobby and live on, you know, the, uh, the skills that you've acquired too, which is really cool. I got, I got a lot of respect for you guys that do. It feels cool. Yeah. It, it, It definitely feels cool. And it's rewarding to have monetized my passion, which essentially is what I define the American dream as. It's like, you have a passion, get paid for it. Yeah. But, you can't get paid for anything you're not a master at. Like, or it's you know probably inappropriate to expect that you should get paid for something that you haven't mastered. Yeah. And so put in my time as an artist since I was a baby and pursued art in general as my passion. And then focused down on this for the last 12 years as my passion and turned it into a profitable business. Uh, that has changed and reoriented and pivoted multiple times. You know, we started as commission painter, like you said. Yeah. That 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 was like only six years of my business, and we're about to hit twelve years now. So we've been now not commission painting for as long as we were commission painting. Yeah. Yeah. No, that's awesome. Just wild. Plus, you've got uh, um, swag store and a bunch of other stuff, which. Uh, to those listening, make sure you check out the uh, description. We're going to have all the the links to the courses, to the swag store, everything like that. So you can, um, you know, get in touch if you want to do courses or even buy some of the uh, some of the gear on the site. Uh, so. I mean, I'm an artist. So one of the outlets I found for my first passion, which was illustration, uh, which I never was able to make money at. <laughs> uh, not good enough, turns out. Not mastered. Uh, I was able to circle back to it kind of at the end of my journey and just say, hey, man, I fucking draw some pictures on my tablet and I'll put them on shirts. So I got to do kind of like a little mini side quest invalidation. So that's pretty fun. Yeah. Little swag shop. Diverse. Doesn't make me a lot of money. It's more like a giveaway structure. I love uh, giving away a lot of shirts. But uh, it's a cool little outlet to draw a bunch of 40K inspired shirts. No doubt. No doubt. Well, definitely, uh, yeah, definitely check out the uh, descriptions for that. Um, I guess we can jump into some meat and potatoes. Chaos Space Marine Codex, man. I, yeah. kinda, I saw uh, a post uh, a while back when the uh, book was just about to drop. Uh, you kind of had a big, big chunk on there about the uh, word bears. A lot of the, uh, you know, a lot of the hype that they're bringing in this book. Uh, I recently got through one game of my word bears and I, I haven't played my chaos Marines for a long time and uh, they're awesome. Like they were really, really good. Yeah. Word bears are, you know, my favorite, I think right now. Yep. I don't think I don't, that, and that doesn't mean like they're the best. They are undeniably powerful. Yeah. 
They're definitely the big three of the Codex, in my opinion, for like at least my brain power. Yeah. I know some guys who are better 40K than me who are hype on making Alpha Legion work. But I think Word Bears is like got some really redundant power built into it. Mm-hmm. So what have you been working on? Like what 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 have you been working on for your Word Bears? Like what's your favorite units? Like uh favorite units, honestly, like I've been a fan of the Venom Crawler ever since they came out. I ended up getting three of them painted up. Um and I was using them in the game, uh, you know, comboed up with the Master Possession. And I'm, I'm playing Horus Heresy um, Word Bearers as well. I'm trying to build the army, and what I'm finding is I'm actually able to port probably 60% of my force between both systems, which is nice. Uh, the Galvor back are on 40 mil uh, bases, which all the Possessed are now, so I've got about 15 of those. Tight. So I've been, yeah, I've been Legion, Legionnaires, all that stuff. Yeah. Yeah. I've been playing playing around with that and just using my yeah, straight up Legionnaires as my Chaos Marines with bolters and chain weapons. Yeah, obviously. So. Yeah. It's been that's good a, that way. No, that's sick. Yeah. The, uh, I'd say the Venom Crawler is probably one of, math, one of the mathematically like coolest units in the Codex in general at 105 points. Yeah. It's just really good. It's kind of like Death Guard equivalent C, uh, to a Blight Drum. Or a fetid blight drum, you know, fast moving, sub ten wounds, good point costs. But I think it's a little bit more uh, point efficient than uh, like a death guard version because it has like six attacks that are quality and six shots that are quality, yeah. while also moving twelve inches. You know, so and getting a wound back every turn. So it's like it's good. To, it's good in every legion. But I also what I've been finding. Is as good as it is. I've been finding myself ending up with zero on my list. <laughs> oh, really? That's been that's kind of been the name of chaos lately. There's a lot of great things that end up not making my list. Yeah, just because we're playing mostly battalions now because mm-hmm. of the uh, Nephilim uh, CP change. So you get three fasts, right? So there's no like, oh, let me sneak in a outright attachment. You know, that, no, like yeah. it's three. So there's a lot of competition in that department now. Yeah, no doubt. You know, and especially for uh, word bears. <clears throat> Excuse me. So word bears specifically to anyone out there is like, I was like, you don't need Venom Crawler. They don't add anything to your army. Like the whole psychic thing seems great, but like Master Possession can already kind of do that on his own. Simultaneously, word bears have one of the best suites of stratagems in the whole codex. Oh, and one yeah. of them is like auto pass psychic power. Yeah, you take a mortal wound and it- Gets cast and can't be denied. That's like the best shit ever. Like a dog. Like, so the whole, so the 105 points of that unit competing in the fast attack slot. And then, but it also makes me plus one cast. It's like, no, I got the sacrificial dagger and I got that strategy. Yeah. Like, it doesn't really mesh super synergetically, in my opinion, Hmm. with word bears while also being just an efficient unit, regardless. It's just that, what are you taking it instead of, right? Because, like, I'm trying to get some raptors in there possibly mostly some warp talents uh or maybe i only have to have fast but i want the 105 points from a master executions or something yeah you know so that's been the name of the game for the for me that's been like my back and forth venom crawler like on paper so good but like i end up not taking not them, taking so them yeah <laughs> like same thing chosen chosen mathematically beautiful chef's kiss set of rules and characteristics but terminators are also really good right now 
and they're two up save, not three up save, and they can deep strike organically. So like, anytime I'm in the in the elite choice, and I'm like, oh sick, chosen. I'm like, but I can do terminated moves. No. Like, so I've been finding that even it's such a good unit, right? Like, but and again, in word bears, no. The only elite choices you're taking in word bears besides is a master execution to possess. That's the that's the legion skew. So you know, they do it so well. Like their whole thing is driving you toward the demon kin keyword. Yeah. Because is. they have a legion trait that says you reroll your fucking hits when you charge. Hmm. Hold on. So none of my units that I want to do all my fun things with are core. Therefore, they don't benefit from any Lord auras or anything. So there's no rerolls. But my whole legion gets rerolls. So taking any unit that has access to a reroll is kind of like squandering the yeah. legion scheme. Right? So you it's the best possessed marine in the, in the whole codex is a word bear possessed marine. You have a five up against uh, mortal wounds and rerolls the charge. So you're taking two things out of the, out of the equation, man. Two issues right there. Yeah. Like, what a sick Legion trait, bro. Offense and defense, and quality defense, too. Mortal yeah. Wounds are, are a thing. Yeah, they are. And you have a whole army of just, like, I got a 5 of Fiddle Pancas Mortal Wounds. That's so good. Like, I'm constantly with my Blood Angels looking at Soul Warden. It's one of the uh, Warlord traits. I'm like, man, do I just fucking do it? Do I just put this shit on my, my, my Sacred Priest? And that's literally a bubble that does that. And I'm constantly like going back. It's so good that I'm constantly going back and forth. I'm like, do I need this? Yeah. But yours is just like every guy in my army, period. Yeah, it's a nice so book. It is for sure. So good, man. Like, and we had a conversation on the podcast, or not the podcast, but on the Twitch stream the other day. Or maybe it was tactics. We do a tactics discussion every week, too. Uh, and I was like, I can't make Iron Warriors work. Because Iron Warriors are all like all their shit's about shooting, right? Like all their they have great stratagems, incredible yeah. warlord traits, incredible relics, but it's just there's nothing to really do with it. Like they're, they're, they they have light. We have a light shooting mechanic to our codex with a heavy emphasis on close combat. And then uh, Arcus was like, "Yo, two lay raiders and possess Iron Warriors, baby." I was like, "Yeah, but like every other legion does that better." There's like nothing about that innately Iron Warrior. Like you get like word bears. The word bears version's better. Yeah. Because uh, our land raiders have a fight up against uh, mortal wounds. <laughs> like, you know what I'm saying? Like, so word bears are dope, man. Like, they are powerful. Anybody out there is looking at them, you know, you've got the best, thickest, deepest section of warlord traits and relics that are just so synergetic. You know, you got the baleful icon and the master of union. Yeah. Like, that's a double stack, man. They don't even compete with each other. They both can go in the same master possession. Like, dog, you want to talk about? I mean, what's the other thing? What's the other? What's the one weakness? You know that like possess and Wartons have. They're only AP two. That's it. That's the one thing that that, that keeps them kind of, like perfect for their points. And then the master union is a command phase demon kid point click plus one to their AP. Yeah, bro, game changer. Yeah, plus one strength, yeah. plus one AP, which is pretty good. Like, and then you, and I mean, then obviously the Master Possession has great psychic powers that all now have like gotten tweaked mostly for Demonkin and Demon stuff. And so, you know, uh, Warflesh, or is that it? Uh, Warp Marked. Plus one to wound? I mean, that's 
it's worth two command points, bro. If you use a stratagem, like, yeah. I mean, so like just this one guy is like, they have strength six, they're AP three and they have plus one to wound and they innately reroll hits go nuts. That's a powerful unit, yeah. you know, like, I love that. And then what's cool is because word bears also have a full wound reroll stratagem for two CP. And you also have access to Vetch's Long War, which is another plus one to one strategy for 2CP. So there's three different ways to manipulate the wound roll for a word bearer army. Yeah. Which is one of the most important uh, roles to manipulate. So it's like just stacks, man. And then he's got the uh, Baleful Icon. Oh my God. Yeah, that's pretty wild. Things that turn off rerolls, real strong. Like, and it's a bubble that doesn't even say. The bad guy has to be in it. It says that when bad guys are attacking my forces, if my if that unit is in it, you can't reroll hits. Can't reroll wounds. Yeah. Like, holy shit, man. Like, so powerful. Such a defensive army with so much offense built in, man. Like, goddamn. Love that shit, man. Anyone playing Word Bears out there, man, or thinking about starting Word Bears, ugh. pick up some Possessed. Pick, and Warp Talents, man. Yeah. They're so good for the, I mean, the same thing. They get all that shit applies to them, too. You can just mash a union one of them. You can uh, Warp Mark one of them for plus one to wound. So they, they so they full hit reroll, full wound reroll, plus one to wound. Hit them with that AP3. I mean, dog, a squad of. Warp Towers just flies over there and it's just like, yo, get sliced, get diced. Yeah. So powerful. And all of this off the back of, I can't believe it, the unchanged Cursed Earth. Yeah, Cursed Earth stayed. It was quite nice to see. Yeah, man. Like I, Everyone thought it was like going to be like one unit. But now you can bask in the glory of a four up and vulnerable while doing all this shit. Yeah. It's like... It's incredible, man. Like, what a baller-ass army. And, of course, right now, Chaos. The most popular relic that every Chaos army is going to have, you have to have it, is the Black Root of Damnation. It is, you know, champion lord upgrade. Put it on a champion in a squad. That squad receives the benefits of Midas Wonder Wound. It is such an auto-include. Every Chaos army, there's a unit that should have it. You know, like whether or not you have a brick of terminators, you know, some, some war talents, whatever. Like, so at least one of these, your black, your your blocked out, ten man squad brick of possess should have that for one CP. So they are gonna have like this four cover. They're gonna be able to block mortal wounds. You can't reroll when you're when you're trying to touch them in close combat. Yeah. Four up and vulnerable from cursed earth, like I said. And minus one to wound them. And they're three wound models. So that's incredible, man. Like it's just such a such a good army, man. And then like the master of execution, if anyone out there's thinking about chaos, man, like remember you saw my first how dick hard I was on Dark Apostle. Yep. With the uh eightfold's blessing like mace, the world boss. Yep. He's old news. That guy's a scrub. <laughs> like, nah. Master of execution. He's the new heat. Like, literally, the king is dead. Long live the new king. Like, this guy is a beast, dog. Like, if you want to fight another Chaos Army who has Abaddon or something, yeah. 
get that master execution. He literally is like 80 points with a mark. Mark of Nurgle, access to the Nurgle demon weapon. The Nurgle demon weapon is the Eightfold's mace, but better because it says hits auto wound and it doesn't have the caveat for vehicles and shit. And demon weapons now, all they are is an overlay of abilities on the weapon he already has. So it's not a three damage weapon, but it's a high AP weapon with two damage, six is to hit, do two mortal wounds, attack sequence ends, right? So no in addition to, but that's dope because most things that do mortal wounds, it's on the wound roll, yeah. right? In addition to, right? So it's like one mortal wound in addition to all damage and wound roll. No, no, that's your worst math because you have to get through two conversions. This is a six, two hit, two mortal wounds, no extra damage, right? Hold on. Wait. And my attacks that hit auto wound? Uh, because this, this demon weapon? What else? What, what has this line in there that says any models that have abilities, any ability that ignores saves doesn't work against this? Like, Yeah, it, I saw it bypasses it, that cap, which is pretty sweet. Yeah, but uh, everything. Feel no pain? All that shit. And they even put it in the FAQ because some people were like, I don't know if it really works. Way. Dog, it says any ability that ignores damage taken, wounds taken, etc. Yeah. So, you know, like, so they it's, it's, so they already put it in the FAQ under the rare rules interactions. So it's like, bro, you need to go in and wipe a squad that has a bunch of feudal pain. You need to go wipe a Gasgol, wipe a Abaddon. Yeah, we're just wiping unit. My man fucks. Because we're bears, we have the free reroll. So we don't need any resources to achieve our rerolls, right? And this is why I, I think the word bears, Master Execution is the best, just like I think a lot of things are the best. Yeah. He for free has mortal wound protection. He for free has free a full reroll suite, which is important for this guy. He also benefits from all the word bearer uh, warlord traits, relics. So another incredible warlord trait, Exalted Possessed. Bro, it's like three auto takes, man, in this codex. I mean, in this legion. That's the one that makes you convert to the demon kid keyword. Yeah. Plus two to your move, extra attack, extra strength, everything. Like, that dude now can move eight inches and keep up with the possessed. He has extra, he has more attacks, but more importantly, he gets the demon kid keyword. Yeah. So now he can benefit from cursed earth, warp. This 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 stratagem that like he now has unlocked the, the, the sacred keyword. Yeah. So now this like eighty point hobo has a four point vulnerable, right? You might not be able to reroll against him. He is Mark of Nurgle, so he has access to grandfatherly blessings for one CP transhuman. Yeah. Can't wound him on anything but a four, and comes in there with like, you know. Seven attacks, hits on twos, because like he just has the one one attack upgrade, right? From yeah. Exalted Possess. And this is why having a full reroll abilities matters. If you hit on twos and you have a rule that says you can reroll hit rolls, and you also have a rule that says when I roll sixes to hit, I do two more wounds, you pick up every dice that's not a six and you reroll them. Because you hit on twos. The math is you're gonna roll seven dice and there's gonna be a six. You scoop up the remaining six dice and you throw them again. And the math says there'll be another six. Yeah. And then you hit on two, so you're probably going to hit with everything else. So you just did four motor wounds 
plus five auto wounds. You yeah. bypass the wound roll. Yeah, that's like crazy. this guy trashes the dumpsters people. Like, and in the fight versus Abaddon, I've mapped it out so many times. If we get stuck in with Abaddon, we go in hard, right? Let's say he charges us. Like, oh no, we're gonna get fucked. Dog, he actually doesn't kill the master possession. If all of that that we just talked about is happening, master unions, baleful icon, popped grandfather's blessing, we're in the cursed earth bubble. Yeah. <laughs> uh, literally, Abaddon because he can't do any rerolls, can't win on better than a four. Uh, has to get through our four up and vulnerable. And didn't I say that we have the deepest pool of of stratagems and warlord traits and relics? Mm. Uh. Hex grammatic uh, ward. Oh yeah, yeah. It's the Marquezine's ability, right? It's the take a sale failed save and turn the damage characteristic to zero. That's an important wording because that means other master possessions can't ignore that, or master executions because it doesn't say I take damage and ignore it. It says I take the damage characteristic and turn it to zero. Yeah. So even if, so, if you end up fighting another master of executions, you can turn one of your failed saves to zero damage. So Abaddon comes in, he's like, oh, these attacks, no rerolls of any kind. And he's like, all right, all these wounds, oh, I can only one on fours, that's only half. And then you're like, cool, Thorpe and Vulnerables, I block half. Cool, these two, uh, these ones I failed, I'm turning this one to zero. This is how many you did to me. Yeah. I'm still alive. Ma the math is, he lives through an Abaddon beatdown. And then the math is, he does eight wounds to Abaddon and kills him. Like, that's wild. Like, and if you have any other guys with psychic powers, which you should, like, let's say you only you didn't kill him, right? It's your turn next. You just throw an air and smite at him. He's dead. Yeah. Like, but imagine if you just whiffed everything except those first two sixes. You did four to more, four mortal wounds to him. You already did more wounds than anybody else in the game could do to him in one phase. <laughs> yeah. No, that's that is impressive. That's pretty. Sweet. So that's that is an American Express card right now for me is the master of execution in your word bearer's army equipped that way. He is the re the real world boss. And he's only like 80 points set up, dude. And remember, we also have the get out of jail free card to get back up card on a four up. Yeah, that's true. So like this dude has a damage mitigator to zero and a get back up on a four up. And because he's Nurgle, grandfather these blessings. Dude, is the most that's the best version of that guy. Like, Word Bears is so hype, yeah. man. The more I think about it, I'm just like, God damn, it's so good. And this is what I love too in a Word Bears army. I like having a Demon Prince and a Master Possession. Yeah. Master Possession's got our two stack Master Union, Baleful Icon, because all that shit. Demon Prince is our fast moving other psyker who has access to the Reticus discipline, who also fucks, right? Because he has three damage, a lot of attacks, yeah. free rerolls. Turns out Word Bears, free rerolls. Uh, also, Funeral pain against mortal wounds, all that. I like giving Marcus Lanesh for the free fight first. Yeah. And access to delightful agonies. And in case I'm in a self-buff situation, we're about to go into a thick fight, you know, and I want him to have a five up funeral pain. Right. Uh, but more importantly, his entire job is to have death hex. Yeah. Auto pass can't deny death hex, son. On a guy who moves 12 inches and keeps up with the pack. That's his job. His yeah, job is to be like legit. And that's he does that to Abaddon. That's one of his jobs. In the, it's like you, Death Hex. Oh, I didn't roll an eight. Oops. Auto pass can't deny it for one for one mortal wound or whatever. Yeah. <laughs> like, 
That's crazy. Get fucked. I love that death tank is warp charge eight now because that means you're likely to not pass it. So then you can play the stratagem and make it a deny. Yeah. Because like you want because because I don't want somebody to have some I denying a four up bullshit. You know. Yeah. No, no, no. I want to roll not an eight and make it so you can't deny it. Because death tank is the other thing, man. When you add death X that is reliable. Yeah. That is a linchpin for a word bearer's force. When you're crashing into waves of people who have four up and vulnerables all over the place, and you're crashing them to them with a loaded down AP three max damage possess, like that's the game changer right there, you know. Access. So we just do it. We do all these things, man. Like word bears do all that shit better. And I'd say what a thing I'm hype on right now is uh, the word bear is secondary. It's a really good secondary. Get to the center of the table, do actions. Yeah. Uh, but it's the kind of get to the table. Instead of the table do actions that says you, you don't finish it to the next turn unless you have the icon keyword, you are master of possession. Yeah. There's a couple of caveats. So I had to rework the list to realize that to maximize winning the game, having a you know a few a couple legionary squads with the icon upgrade is very powerful. Yeah. And the master possession is getting there anyway. So you basically have multiple ways to kind of collapse on that that center as you're moving across the table and just keep scoring shitloads of free secondaries. And I think one of the un- unsung heroes of the Codex is the Battleful Tom that the Legionaries can take now. Oh, yeah. Like 30 points, I think, or 25 points. It's a it's a Psyker upgrade. It's the cheapest Psyker in the game. Yeah, it's pretty sweet. So I'm not saying every unit needs it, but like I like to have a pocket warp time on one of those Legionary squads that I was yeah. taking anyway to get the secondary points. So in situations where I need it, they'll kind of just nut to butt, run up the cut with the uh, front line of uh, Possessed, who have the black room, so they can warp time them, double move them, right? So we can get, stay in position of our auras, but like move up to 18 inches with that front line if you need to in the first turn. Yeah. Maybe for, and further with an advanced roll, right? Like, so that's a cool little piece of utility that I love. Uh, but also I feel as if... Uh, I'm centering on need one Heldrick for our word bears. Cause we don't have like these exciting turn one charge capabilities that our two contemporary, also really good legions have like Corsairs yeah. and Empress children. But a uh, Heldrick kind of shows that up, right? 20 inch move charge. Yeah. So like having something, if you go first, that could just touch some stuff in the enemy's army kind of like drag things in through consolidation and kind of just disrupt them, yeah. force them to have to look at that for a couple of turns, maybe mitigate some percentage of their firepower as they fall back from that. I think that's kind of crucial. Yeah, no doubt. Definitely plays a big part for sure. For sure. I was playing around with, uh, with spawn as well, actually just as a throwaway unit, but they did surprisingly well for me. Um, Spawn, yeah, I was actually shocked. They had that that new rule where they could bring a wound back every sequence. Yeah. I was like, wait, what? I thought it was like, oh, get a wound back next turn. No, it's like literally if I shoot at you, do four wounds. Shooting is over. Get a wound back. They shoot at me, do four wounds. Sequence over. Get a wound back. I was like, wow. Spawn. All right, dog. They're great. They're great little units. Again, they're fast attack slot. They compete with the fast attack. But if you find yourself... With an army and you have 25 points and you don't know what to do with it and you have a free fast tax slot, y'all a single spawn not to be dismissed. No. 
50 millimeter base. That is quite a big volume to displace. Just in that one little hole in your back line where you're afraid someone's going to deep strike, he just is there. Yeah. Like, that's good. I'm awesome. That's awesome that you're playing some spine. I love them. Yeah. They've been, they've been, yeah, interesting to play with for sure. For sure. What do you think about the bigger, uh, the bigger demon engines, like Defilers and the two different fiends? Well, I think the Defilers okay. Yeah. Like, I did have a Word Bearers army at one point that had a bunch of them. Uh, because there are uh, one of my lists that I've been evolving in the heavy slot. Because in Word Bearers, they benefit uh, from some of our synergies. Right? They also they get the reroll attacks, is really good on Defiler. Uh, Mortal Wound Protection, really good on Defiler. Uh, they are protectable via Cursed Earth, pretty good on Defiler. They also have Armor Content. Uh, and they have okay shooting, like like meaningful firepower. Yeah. Uh, they're like so two to three of them is playable, and their points aren't that bad. Like I've seen some people think that they're that they're not good at all. Like I think I saw Nick Navati saying it was like one of the worst units in the Codex, and I think that's uh, I don't think he's playing with them. I've been playing with Defilers on my Death Guard. I went six and zero at Vegas teams last year with them with yeah. two Defilers. People were like, "Ah, oh, look at this scrub," and I kept winning, and people kept coming to my table. And they're like, what's the secret tech here, dog? I was like, they just got good stats, dog. They're 165 points. Yeah. They had a ton of wounds. Like, a, a, a fucking get a wound back every turn. And they have like, like I keep them cheap, right? I just have like the Reaper Auto Cannon, the Havoc Launcher, and the Defiler Cannon, which is three flat damage. It's like, as they move across the table, like there's those crucial objectives in No Man's Land and the set of the table and yeah. a lot of missions, right? And you sometimes have the firepower to clear it, but you don't have no staying power, right? You have sometimes the units that can move up and charge them, right? But maybe that's it. The defiler is perfect in that role. As they they, as they come up the, the cut, you can kind of start in the curse nerve bubble and then move out, or just say, fuck it, standing right across from those objectives. They move really fast, eight inches, and you can lob shots. And like when I say meaningful firepower, is you're going to fight opponents who have chaff units here, tanks there. Like Admech is a great example. I fucked an Admech army. <laughs> like, Literally because I was able to do things like put a bunch of Defiler Cannon shots on vehicles while shooting a bunch of Chaff Firepower like Reaper Auto Cannon shots and Havoc shots at the Little Squads. So every turn I was sustaining meaningful damage in DPS while also threatening objectives and being tricky with them. I don't think they're bad. No. I think they're pretty okay for 165. They're definitely uh, totally playable. They might not be the most optimized element of your army but if you have like literally three defilers in boxes and you haven't bought warp talons yet go for it check them out yeah but, but you need points for warp talons like if yeah. you try to get super optimus but like if you have those models and you spent 10 years not building and painting them i think it's totally acceptable and i think it's uh a version of the army that will do just fine uh you know you'd have maybe 30 possessed and three defilers and i think you would do well in a lot of games yeah no doubt yeah, but uh, Forge Fiend is okay. I say that for a firm okay, right? It's kind of in a brand with chaos, right? Like our firepower is okay, not that tight. And so the problem I have with the Forge Fiend, even though it's a really good version of the Forge Fiend, all it does is shoot. It shoots okay. Yeah. Whereas Defiler shoots okay, and also Superman punches people. So Defiler over Forge Fiend. 
And I like the Malafine. Always do. I think that this is a good version of the Malafine. He's reasonably pointed. He's in the heavy slot, I think, right? Or is he in the fast slot? Uh, yeah, he's heavy. He's in heavy. Yeah, he's okay. Uh, but he only punches. Yeah. Right? So I think the Defiler, again, over Malafine. Totally reasonable for, I think, a cast for a cast person. The one unit I do agree 100% with Nick Davarian is like Hellbrute. He's actually like not that bad until you look at a Venom Crawler. Yeah. And you're like, wait a minute. How are you more points than a Venom Crawler the second I want to put something on you? Yeah. You're straight trash, dog. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, no doubt. No doubt. No doubt. No, it's true. It's true. I'm, uh, I'm, yeah, I'm definitely excited to see where the book, uh, the book goes. I'm, uh, Eager to get more games in with it because uh, we've been continuing our slow grow uh, local league, trying to build up uh, another batch of players getting into the hobby, and uh, it's it's been a lot of fun so far. I've only even played them at a thousand points, so being able to build up you know two K lists and start throwing them on the table will be a lot of fun. It's so fun to build and complete that project at two thousand point army and put it on a table. That's like one of the highest most elite achievements in hobbies i think yeah like i think a lot of people don't realize just how not common it is to actually see a project through like that and accomplish it because a lot of people they'll just like kind of like speed paint you know kind of just you know battle ready it that's not what we're talking about you know like we're talking about like marmy looks sick dog <laughs> and i did that i put the hours in that's fun that's a great feeling yeah well, i look forward to seeing it yeah, for sure. I'll definitely uh, show you pics as I continue. Um, just as a last question here before we uh, wrap up, I, I do have a question about uh, Magnus and like the heresy stuff. Has the new Horus Heresy 2.0 piqued your interest at all in terms of no. either models or gameplay? Well, models are sick. Yeah. 100% models look sick. Uh, but no, man, it's like hustling backwards for me. Yeah. Like, you know, like I, like I'm not inspired by old rules, even if they've been done, redone, and made new, yeah. which they have. They have brought in some mechanics that are really cool, undoubtedly. Like this, uh, you know, like this dual activation mechanic and stuff yeah. like that. That's great. That's a modern game concept. I love that. Uh, it's just, you know, it's not a, it's not a diverse playing field. It's like yeah. the Marvel Civil War of Space Marines, yeah. and it's just all Space Marines. Like it's just you go to a tournament, just Space Marines, beautifully painted Space Marines, but ultimately a meta emerges and instead of it being every legion you start to see like it's three legions yeah and so like it's pretty boring when you if you're a visual aesthetic kind of person like me like just it's always the same like whereas in 40k there's like one billion permutations of every fucking conceivable thing yeah no don't and, like you can just see so much wily shit so like but I think the models are sick i think a lot of the people in that community are pretty committed to their hobby yeah uh i've seen some gatekeeping in 30k over the years uh a lot of people i've said that to have come back to me and confirmed that like be so it's like it's anecdotal but like a lot of anecdotal evidence yeah i I won't deny it though there there is it's it is present in the hobby um i've been playing heresy for 10 years there is some there for sure like it seems to be higher percentage of gatekeeping in 30k than 40k yeah which is kind of shocking from the game that has clearly less people playing it. Yeah. 
No, it's true. Like, it is true. You can't afford to gatekeep, dog. It is true. Yeah, you want as many people coming in into the hobby as you can. Um, that's kind of a unique spot where I'm at. I I play both systems for different reasons. They both scratch an itch that the other doesn't right now. So it's nice to be able to. And my army also ports between the two, which is no brainer. Yeah, I mean, like me. you're basically doubling your game opportunities while only creating a slightly more workload. Yeah. To, it's like so. That's a good strategy. Yeah. So like, it's been decent. Yeah, say like I mean I'm just grateful that we've moved on from templates, vehicle facings, armor penetration charts, you know, difference of seven, uh, hit mechanics, like all this overly complicated, unnecessary crap that just ultimately leads to just arguments on the table. Like playing this game since the beginning of third edition, man. Yeah. Like and it's like I do not fucking miss that shit. I don't miss scatter dice. I don't miss two guys hovering over a template, <laughs> arguing over how many motherfuckers get hit. Yeah, I don't miss no two people arguing over what direction this guy, I guess, is going. I don't miss two people try to convince each other what 45 degree angle is on the vehicle facing. You know what I mean? I miss any of that shit. I don't miss, like, consulting a chart to see what I did to a tank. That's true. Like, none of that shit, man. I don't, like, and even the difference of seven mechanic, like, I have ballista skill four, so that means you need a three to hit. Yeah. Right. It's always equal seven. Well, but I have ballistic skill two, or I have ballistic skill six, or whatever it is. Right. The, the other way around. Right. Yeah. Oh, but then you know, if you do roll a one, you can re-roll it on this number. And it's like, bro, get the fuck out of here, man. It's too yeah. much stuff. It's just another layer. There's definitely like a lot. This, the second they were like, "Yeah, your weapon skill is three, you hit on three. I was like, "Oh my god, the number is the number. It's so yeah. fucking genius. Yeah, that is a, a big thing for forty k that I do like. And I wish that they followed through with a couple other games as well. It, it just makes things a lot easier, um, just especially when you're playing. So, Oh, no, 100%. No, that, and no disrespect to anybody who likes that old hammer. It's like it's old hammer, man. It caters to an audience, and it's a demographic. The demographic is sizable enough yeah. to warrant the investment in a heresy reboot. Like So I don't discredit that. Like It's obvious. So... No, no Good luck problem. to everyone out there collecting their, uh, you know, Space Marine Civil War models. Yeah. It's hardcore. <laughs> it really is. Well, awesome, man. Like, I really appreciate uh, stealing an hour of your time and having you come on the uh, podcast. It was good. And, uh, yeah, for anybody interested, uh, all I can say is, yeah, check out check out the YouTube, check out the Twitch. Uh, definitely jump on the Patreon. There's tons of different le- levels you can support. And uh, I think you'll really find it's worth the value. So, well, thank you for having me today. Appreciate it. Hopefully, I'll see you next time, brother. Yeah, for sure, man. Trident Wargaming. Build it, paint it, play it.